Um, so several, several years ago, uh, when I was uh, pastoring in Illinois, I went to the uh, Illinois Baptist State Association, and uh, there received a hand towel. This is not it, but this is uh, all for uh, symbolism. This, you know, that's a, boy, that's clean, but it looks like one I've used on my car. But uh, a hand towel, very much like, actually it was probably a little smaller than this one, maybe about that size, and uh, stitched on it, it was like, together we serve and had the Illinois Baptist State Association uh, symbol on it. And I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, I, I took it back to the little church I was pastoring, and we all signed it in, in like a Sharpie, and we left it in the church as a reminder that we're supposed to be always at the business of serving. And then I thought about that, oh, I don't know, four or five years ago, and this is not one of them, but I have some of these for taking care of the car. These are microfiber tiles that really, if you've got fingers that you've worked with, they cling to everything. You know, those of you ever use these, right? I mean, if you've got little bitty, I don't know what they call those, you know, on your fingers, little pieces of skin hanging, these things just cling, but as far as picking up water, they're pretty good. So I gave all the deacons one of these as a Christmas present a few years back and said, hey, once again, a reminder to be out there and be at service. Now, the thing that got my attention with the one that the Baptists gave out in Illinois so many years ago, it might have been better off if I had just given that to some young mother and said, make this into a burp cloth because it would get more use, or, or just give it to some mechanic and say, check your oil with this, or give it to some lady who was clean, or man who was cleaning the kitchen and say, wipe down the counter with this because that's what we're supposed to do is get involved, not just make it symbolic you know, like how many times you've been at some ball game and they're waving the towel, right? You know, whatever. You're really supporting your team. But today, Jesus, um, as he begins, this is the Passover time, and, and you'll, re you'll read with me in just a few minutes from John the 13th. You know, this is as one, I think it's Brown is the one commentator who, not Dan Brown, but someone like that, uh, who made the comment that this is the pendulum of the Gospel of John as we go from chapter 13 back the other way. And John is this way with his you know, stories. You get to really high points and you get to low points. And um, Jesus pulls off his outer garment and takes a towel. And this is one of our baptismal towels from the back there that uh, thank you to Todd Pyle's family. Is Todd here today? Todd always takes these home. And I don't know if it's he or his wife or... Judge, somebody, uh, you know, washes them for us, so that's, that's a great deal. But Jesus takes one and wraps it around. <laughs> Thank God it's big enough to go around my waist. You know, I was thinking about that. Yeah. So he ties one around his waist, and this is how he washes people's feet. And, I, you know, all week long I try to get the visualization of this. So he's laying their foot after he kneels at their feet, probably on the towel. And... Um, Today, the challenge is, as you will see the title in just a moment, is that you are to get a towel. Now, churches still in 2023 will practice foot washing. Um, Methodists, Presbyterians, Episcopals, Catholics, Lutherans, and even wayward Baptists on occasion. 
because we did it about four years ago here, right here, right here, before these were turned into this. I think they were still carpet before they had the tile. But we announced on a Monday, Thursday, and I know for Baptists, Monday, Thursday, what's he talking about? Monday and Thursday? No, that's the Thursday before Easter that usually we can commemorate and, and have a Lord's Supper and sometimes a foot washing, just like Jesus did in this particular text in, in John 13. So I asked, I think, at a, I don't know if it was at a deacon's meeting or who would come and be willing to wash feet. And we had probably between a half dozen and a dozen people up here washing feet. How many of you were here that night? I mean, a long time ago. Or that, was that in the night? I think it was on a Thursday night. Yeah, Monday, it was truly Monday. Okay. Most of those washing were washing their spouse's feet. And my spouse and, and I washed each other's feet. And, and there was nothing, I mean, I, my takeaway after doing it, and I had been in military worship services where there was foot washing going on. Never remember one in the Baptist church I grew up in, but I saw them in the military and I watched them. In fact, one time I remember the pastor washed everybody's feet in the choir. So, praise team, watch out. <laughs> and... and the washing part, even with my own wife of however many years we've been together, washing her feet wasn't a problem whatsoever. It was having her wash mine. It's that vulnerability that, that you know, you, you don't typically reveal. And, I, and I'm, it, maybe you wouldn't have it, but I can remember a couple, couple of baptisms ago, I'm back there and I'm trying to get my clothes off, you know, to get because I wasn't wearing the waders that day. I was putting on a pair of swim trunks, swim trunks, swim trunks. And I run back there to do the baptism, and I realized I'd had new socks on that day. And now i got all this black lint sticking in my toenails that none of you have ever had. I, I know you haven't. But can you feel the humility as I am standing there getting ready to baptize someone, and I won't call her name, but... It, it was a person that would have noticed, I'm sure, because we were looking down, and I think her nail, toenails were done, and, and mine were done too in black lint. But <laughs> Peter will contest. He will push back to Jesus in this text and say, hey, I, I should be washing yours. And that's the way most of us feel. I, I, don't do mine. Let me do yours. And, and Jesus will say, hey, man, you, you're not getting it. Unless I do it, you're not really one of mine. You're not part of me unless you allow me to do this. Unless you get yourself, and I can put some of this stuff together, unless you are so vulnerable with me, you're not getting it. So, we'll find that Jesus washes the disciples' feet out of love, out of an example of what he wants them to be, basically a model that he's asking them to do. And at the same time, he will be dealing with betrayal in the back of his mind. Because realize, he washes his disciples' feet in this context. So that means he washed Judas's feet as well. So if you have your Bibles, pick up with me, please, at John, the 13th uh, chapter, verse 1. Those of you who are here for the first time, it's taken Cliff almost, uh, I don't know, 18 months to get this far. I started in John... Uh, in uh, January of uh, 2022. So here we are, <laughs> chapter 13. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them 
NIV says, the full extent of his love. King James says, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter. You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Wow, that's, that's like a wet noodle in the face, right? Well, then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. I'm going to ask you to pray with me in just a second. This is a passage that uh, most would take all the way through the end, but I think it's too much in there for us not to divide it at this point. It's a good stopping point, so let's pray. Father, as we um, consider what your son did for his disciples... And in the midst of that, one who had been with him three years, saw the miracles, heard his teaching, experienced his love, even experienced Jesus' compassion to wash his own feet, would betray him. That does something in our own minds to think how we have failed you, how we have allowed our hearts to become tainted by the world. So today, Lord, speak to us. Help us to grab our towels to get wet, and to get clean. This is our prayer, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, timing of John 13, and any time I bring a theological debate in the context of a sermon, I never want you to spend more time on the debate because then you lose the emphasis of what was happening. But just so you know, in case some of you are having questions, this is a study, or this is a text that we could spend more time in a good Bible study. Because many commentators right now have a problem with John 13.1 saying, is that the meal, is that his last supper? Because you don't see the last supper described and spelled out in John like you see it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And some will say, was this really done on the Monday Thursday? And if you remember hearing the sermons we've had in the past, this thing called Nisan, this is a Jewish calendar, Nisan 14, the day of preparing the lamb. Was it Nisan 14 or was it Nisan 15? Well, let me suffice it to say that God knows and we know that Jesus was our sacrifice. Jesus came as a sacrificial lamb at the Passover. And the symbolism and the connection with the Jewish heritage still speaks to us today. I'm not so concerned whether it was Wednesday night, Thursday night, or even Friday morning. 
You will see in the context as we read our way through John or preach our way through John, you'll see that there's discussions on the day itself, and that's why some have this problem. Let's look at get me get get wet. You know, bring a towel, get wet. As you heard me read, Peter is pushing back Jesus from washing his feet. He protests. He says, not, not you, Lord, don't, don't do this. In fact, I read one commentator this week that, that said each man had walked to that meal passing the typical customary basin of water and a pitcher. No one there washed anybody's feet. They came to a table with dirty feet. And it almost implied that some perhaps were more arrogant than others. Now, you know that some of the disciples had already debated who's the most important, who sits on the left, who sits on the right. So it's not that far of thinking, but it's not in the script. Uh, script. It's not in the text. So maybe, maybe not. But definitely they knew that they had probably misstepped in the culture when Jesus is the one washing their feet. And now they have the teacher, the rabbi, the Christ, the Son of God, taking a basin of water and wiping their feet and, and using the towel that's wrapped around him, you know, the marks that would be on it from dirty feet walking in the dust. Peter says, hey, if I got to have you wash my feet to be one of yours, then give me a bath. I mean, let me, you know, dunk me, Lord. Sounds like he's Baptist already. Lord, pour it over my head, pour it over my hands, pour it over my feet, pour it over my entire body. And as I read this text this week, I, I thought of the, the ice bucket challenges. Remember that? People used to do those for uh, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And nobody would want to pour an ice bucket of water over their head. But if you realize that when people did that and got the right donations, they raised millions, my voice is still changing, millions of dollars for the ALS Society, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. You have to get wet. The small towel that I got years ago, as I signed, said, was signed by my entire congregation. It was to be a reminder to do things, to help others, but I don't know that it was. Part of this beauty in this passage is Jesus on his knees washing those that he loved feet and saying, this is what I want you to do for one another. This is what I want you to do for the world. Get wet. So, 1968 is when I have finally tracked it down in my memory banks. I am in the summer between my fifth and sixth grade year, 1958. I said 68, 1968. I'm 10 years old. I didn't turn, I had my birthday till late in the year. And I go to band camp at Southeast Missouri State University as a drummer. No, I will never play drums here because as soon as I got to band camp, even though I played all the way through high school, I realized there are a lot of people a lot better than me. But as most fifth graders, I don't know, maybe you've got a fifth grader and you send them off to camp at some strange university and maybe you wouldn't pack their suitcase, but I'm almost positive my mom packed my suitcase. And when I came home and she's looking for the dirty laundry, she looked at the towel 
and washcloth, I think plural, that she had put in the suitcase. They were dry, still folded. She said, well, Cliff, did you not have a bath the whole week at band camp? I said, I went swimming every day. They had pool towels. Why would I take a bath? And I think it's the same way in the church. We know what we are to do with the towel, but you need to get using the towel. You need to be involved in service. Christians that aren't getting wet, aren't serving in some capacity, are like show towels. I bet you right now, if I went to your house, some of you will have little hand towels in the bathroom. And those are not to be used. Huh? Yeah, you're laughing because you know you're that way. Oh, those are just for looks. We had company the other night, and the guy put his greasy hands on those show towels. Christians should not be show towels. They should be closer, and that's why I wanted that one towel. This towel has been used. It has been used and been returned to service to be used again. Can you imagine the look on the 12 disciples' faces as Jesus is washing their feet? There had to be protests going on even in their mind or second thoughts in their mind. James and John, those who had been arguing who would be the first, are now thinking, oh man, this guy's washing our feet. I bet, I bet we're going to have to do the same. And, and I don't know if that fits into my mindset of what I, I thought this kingdom's going to be like. Maybe there's Matthew the tax collector thinking, how much will this cost? Could be Thomas who said... Let's go to Jerusalem and die with him. Give me a towel, Jesus. I'll do it. You know, we remember Thomas is the doubter, but he was a man of action. Wasn't it Nathaniel who said, can anything good come out of... Nobody's going to finish the story. Okay, I'll just make you look that one up. That's like John chapter 1. I know that's about a year and a half ago. But could he be thinking, what good is going to come out of this? Jesus didn't have a sword tied to his waist. He didn't have a scepter dangling there for him to lift up. He had a towel wrapped around his waist for service. Tried to box in college until they told me I'd have to weigh 165 pounds. And at the time I weighed about 215 and I thought, that's way too much weight to lose, I'll, and I don't like getting hit anyway, so I won't do that. But what little bit of boxing I know is that when the manager sees his boxer losing, he will take the towel and do what? Throw it in the ring. And how many times have we threw in the towel of our faith? It's too hard to serve. It's too hard to love. It's too hard to forgive. Well, it is a battle. I know that. So don't throw in the towel. Satan has such a grip on people sometimes, maybe even a loved one that you want to throw in the towel on him, but Jesus didn't. He even washed Judas' feet, which explains for us verses 9 through 10. Let me look at those with you quickly. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. And we'll read verse 11. For he knew who was going to betray him, Judas. And that's why he said this, not everyone was clean. 
as we read this, when Peter understood that letting Jesus wash his feet was necessary, he wants this whole bath, all of me. But Jesus explained to him, undoubtedly you've already bathed at some point, and he's, symbolically you've bathed in the faith, so now you only have to clean your feet to come to the table. And he gives this short illustration or explanation, and John tags onto that. It's because Judas needed more than his feet to be cleaned. His heart needed to be cleaned. How many of you ever ran home between work or the gym or whatever, because you had somewhere else to go, and you just put on clean clothes instead of showering? Don't raise your hand. How many of you did that this morning before you came to church? I'm sitting by that guy, yeah, yeah. Well, I know I've done it many times working on a car. I'm in, at my house. I live about, it takes 12 minutes to get here. O'Reilly's takes about almost 15 minutes to get parked in there. And if I'm covered in grease and sweaty, stinky, I'll just put on a clean work shirt and run off to get the part that I need. So it, it's clean on the outside, but it's not so clean on the inside. The illusion of being clean versus the reality of being clean. And that was the issue that Jesus is dealing with with Judas. He's one of the 12. He appears to be a follower, but yet his heart was not clean. Verse 2, I think it is, of this says that... Uh, let me go to verse 2. That evening was already being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot. So we know that early on, at least in this text, and then perhaps earlier in Jesus' ministry, because this is now about the third year of his ministry, that Judas had been in the grips, or at least his heart was in the grips, of the devil. Now, we don't like to talk about that much, and... Some of us don't want to cut Judas a break, and I'm not trying to cut Judas a total break. But I do know, I do know, that if you expose yourself to the world enough, Satan will get a foothold, a stronghold, and eventually grab your heart. Oh, you might find some joy for a minute following the world, but I promise you that joy will lead to pain and suffering down the road. Listen closely. He says, uh, i got to back up the word again. That is, chapter, that is verse 1 this time. The idea of the world. He says, having loved his own who were in the world. Remember, he was in the world but not of the world. That word world appears 40 times in the Gospel of John. He's constantly comparing those that he loves, those who are part of him, those who are... His versus those of the world. How about you? Does your heart need scrubbing today? A long time ago, I went to... Uh, anybody ever been to Hot Springs? Yeah. Do you have, do you have one of the hot baths? Yeah. Weird. Being about 20-some, I went actually, my junior year of spring break, you know, being a 20-year-old man, having a man older than you, giving you a bath in a tub. That's really awkward for me. And then he pulls out this 
brush and got a hold of the bottom of my feet, and I thought he was going to get down to the bone because he was really working it. I remember when he got out of the water, they said, uh, what part of you hurts? I said, well, other than what he scrubbed, nothing. No, no, you got a bad joint, bad hip, bad, I'm 20 years old. I, I don't got any sore parts. Well, this is where we wrap you up with a hot towel. I wrap my whole body then. So they make you like a mummy and lay there on this table. And then they take you, if you can walk, you imagine walking like that, to a masseuse. And there, I, and it's all, it was men doing the men. So, I mean, please, um, this guy, you know, had arms on him like my thighs. And when he didn't hit me, he was pushing on me. And when he didn't do this, he was doing that. And I left more tired at 20 after having a bath than any bath or shower I've had in my life. And then they said, you want to drink some of the hot springs? I'm like, no, I want a soda. Get me out of here. This is not good at all. And maybe that is an illustration of what God needs to do sometimes to our hearts. We talked about being hard, you know, being blind and being deaf and having hard hearts. That was just a couple weeks ago in a message. Maybe God needs to scrub or allow, we need to allow him to scrub on our hearts a little bit. Henry Ward Beecher, the uh, Congregationalist minister who, uh, those of you who know anything about him, um, you know, I'm a church history guy. I like, like a lot of that. He was brought up on public charges of adultery and pretty much ruined his ministry at the end. But he's still well-known, very prominent preacher of the day. So know this came from a man who had sinned, as each one of you and I have as well. But he writes this. The world, if the world is to be cleaned by somebody... And you are called of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. If the world is called by somebody and you are not called of God, if you are ashamed to scrub. Now, I think I've botched that up three times, so I'll read it again. Either that or mistyped it in my own notes. Basically, he's saying if you don't feel like you're called to scrub, you're not a part of Him. And it begins with scrubbing ourselves. Are you clean? Are you clean this morning? Let me close out with uh, Matt Chandler, mega pastor in uh, Dallas area, I think. Um, I know uh, Pierce was a big fan of his. We've used some of his uh, video Bible studies in the past. He talked about the fact that one night he came home and his son is playing Xbox. None of you have children that play video games, do you? It's more the adults these days, too. How many adults? Ah, don't, don't raise your hand. But he came home, and his son's on the Xbox, and he said, hey, man, did you do your chores? And his son said, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I got them done. And he goes, did you vacuum the house? And he goes, uh, yeah. And he said, I started looking around, and his son hadn't done it. So he said, hey, man, you got to go vacuum the house. So he said, I started doing some other things, doing some dishes that were in the sink. And, and about that time, his son comes back in the room. He's ready to go back on the Xbox. And he said, man, there's no way you could have vacuumed the entire house in 45 seconds. Even Superman couldn't have vacuumed the entire house in 45 seconds. And his son said, but dad, I did. He said, so I just went around with him in the house. And I pointed out the, you know, those little goldfish, you know, little crackers. They were down on the floor. He said, you know, you need to vacuum those because 
Mouse might come and do that. You, go, you see the dog hair here, you got to do that. You, you see the dust over here, you got to do that. And vacuum underneath this and vacuum there and vacuum there. And he said, what it reminded me is what Jesus will share for us a little bit later in this um, gospel account of John. He will say that he, when you allow him in your life, he will come into your home. He will be like Matt Chandler walking around with his son saying, this is an area that you need to keep clean. This is something you need to pick up. This is something you need to scrub. So this morning, consider getting your towel, getting wet, and getting clean. Would you stand with me, please, we pray. Father, before we have a time of communion, this meal that was celebrated and, and re a reminder of what you'd done for the children of Israel, that Jesus does this very thing in the midst of that, we will celebrate once more a new Passover. But before we do that, Lord, if there's someone here who has something in their heart that they need to get off, they need to clean their heart, and they can't physically do that, they can't do that spiritually, only short of confessing and asking you to lift the burden from their heart, to confess their sin and to profess, Lord, without you, I can't do it. So if there's a decision that needs to be made in this moment, I pray that your Holy Spirit would walk with that person. Just like we might walk with a child and show them areas that need to be picked up or cleaned up. Walk with them and have them come to this time of prayer. Perhaps they want to just come to the steps here and kneel and pray. We have prayer warriors that will gladly pray with them. Whatever decision there is to be made right now, Lord, let your Spirit walk with us. For we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.